Welcome everybody. Hare Krishna. Rupa Nogadas with you this morning. At long last. Following in the footsteps of my senior god brother, Krishna Kripa Prabhu from Houston. He gave class yesterday. And before that, uh, the other day, uh, my, our god sister, uh, uh, Jai Shirad Hay Devi Dasi gave class, very inspiring class also. So, all of you who are listening in, thank you very much. Good to have you with us. I know some of you are getting ready to go to work, some of you are getting kids ready to go to school, some of you are just getting ready for the day. So we'll have an invocation to the Supreme Lord, and then we'll begin our discourse today on the... Oh, we're in a new chapter today. Krishna Kripa Prabhu finished up chapter 8 yesterday of the 12th canto. So today we will begin on the ninth canto regarding Markandeya Rishi, very exalted soul, the likes of which we don't see too much of on this planet today. He has, Krishna Kripa is saying that Markandeya Rishi has a planet which is one of the uh, big, what we know as the Big Dipper, Ursa Major, the bear. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi
जय गौर प्रेमनंद हरि हरि बो जय ओम विष्णुपद परमहंस फरिबिजाकाचार्यास्तोतरस्तश्रीश्रीमाजस्तवाइंग्रेसैश्रीभक्तिवेदस्वामीमहाराजशीलप्रभुपारी जय ओम विष्णुपद परमहंस फरिबिजाकाचार्यास्तोतरस्तश्रीश्रीमाजस्तवाइंग्रेसभक्तिसिद्धस्तरस्वतीगोस्वामीमहाराजशीलप्रभुपारी अनंत कोटि वैष्णवृंद की इस्कान बीबीटी पांड्राचार्य शील प्रभुपार की इस्कान गुरु परंपरा की श्री रूप श्री सनातन भट्ट रघुनाथ श्री जीव गोपाल भट्ट दास रघुनाथ सत गोस्वामी प्रभु की नामचार्य शील हरिदास ठाकुर की प्रेम जी कहो श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री वैत गिराधार श्री वास गौर भक्तवृंद की श्री श्री राधा कृष्णा गोप गोपीनाथ श्याम कुन राधाकुन गिरि गोविदान की श्री वृंदावन राम की श्री मथुरा राम की श्री मायापुर नवदी धाम की श्री जगन्नाथपुरी धाम की श्री श्री राधा कलचंदी धाम की गंगा देवी की जमुनुमाई की तुलसी देवी की भक्ति देवी की Sambhaveda Bhakta Vrindaki, Brihat Radanga, Transcendental Book and Prasharam Distribution Aki, Dai Gaur Premananda, Hari Hari Bo, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, Hari Krishna, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, Hari Krishna, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, Hari Krishna, All Glories, All Glories, All Glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. नमो विष्णु विदाय कृष्ण पिस्ताय भूतले श्रीमती भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नमने नमस्ते सरस्वती देव गोरबारे बचाने निवशेष ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नारायण नमस्कृत नरम छोरतम देवी सारस्वतीदेशभद्रेशु नित्यम भगवत सेवया भगवत्युतम श्लोके भक्तिर्भावनी गंतराश्रीमद्भागवता जाय वॉच अगैन वो रीडिंग फ्रॉम द ट्वेल्थ एंड फाइनल कैंटो द श्रीमद्भागवताम दोज आर वी हु हैव योर भागवताम्स हैंडी Please turn to chapter nine. This is the chapter entitled "Mark and Day Arishi Sees the Illusory Potency of the Lord." So it's a it's a fairly short introduction. I usually do not read the introductions, but let those of you who wish to read and find out what the entire chapter is about uh, do that at some other time. But today, because it's relatively short, I think I will read it, and we'll be reading through. Text number three today, at which point we find a purport by the disciples of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada. 
So chapter 9. This chapter describes Markandeya Rishi's vision of the Supreme Personality of Godhead's illusory energy. Satisfied by the prayers Sri Markandeya had offered, the Supreme Lord told him to ask for a benediction. And the sage said that he wanted to see the Lord's illusory potency. This is very bewildering to me that such an advanced devotee of the Lord would want to see Krishna's illusory energy. But I remember a story in which uh, Narada Muni also asked to see the Lord's illusory energy. And so the Lord put him into a state that he lived an entire lifetime out in a, mombro, in a matter of moments or seconds. And then all of a sudden he was back at, in the presence of the Supreme Lord. So, anyhow, that's, you know, the desire to to sample the Lord's illusory energy, to find out what it's about, is what has brought many of us here from from the spiritual world. And there are legions, legions of persons who have left the spiritual world to come into this illusory energy of the Lord. So let's see what, what this is about. The Supreme Lord Sri Hari present before Markandeya in the form of Nara Narayan, replied, So be it, and then left for Badarikashram, where I understand that personality, or those two personalities, are present even today. Badarikashram, that's high in the Himalayas. One day, Sri Markandeya was offering his evening prayers, the what when he was offering, as he was offering the uh, evening prayers, the water of devastation suddenly flooded the three worlds with great difficulty. Markandeya moved about all alone in this water for a long time until he came upon a banyan tree. Lying upon a leaf of that tree was an infant boy glowing with a charming effulgence. As Markandeya moved toward the leaf. He was pulled by the boy's inhalation and just like a mosquito drawn within his body. Inside the boy's body, Markandeya was amazed to see the entire universe just as it had been before the annihilation. After a moment, the sage was carried out by the force of a child's exhalation and hurled back into the ocean of annihilation. Then, seeing that the child on the leaf was actually Sri Hari, the transcendental Lord situated in his own heart, Sri Markandeya tried to embrace him. But at that moment, Lord Hari, the master of all mystic power, disappeared. Then the waters of annihilation disappeared as well. And Sri Markandeya found himself in his own ashram, just as before. Now we will begin with text number one, read the uh, Sanskrit uh, transliterations. Sutta Uvacha Samstuto Bhagavan Itam Markandeya Nadimati Dimata, sorry. Narayano Narasaka. Prita aha brigudvaham. Chant for me, please. Sutu vacha. Sutu vacha. Sutu bhagavanitam. Sutu bhagavanitam. Markandeya nadimata. 
Markandeya Nadimata Narayana Narasaka Narayana Narasaka Vrita Aha Vrikudva Vrita Aha Vrikudva A The person you heard chanting was uh, our God brother Krishna Kripa Prabhu. He is present here with us, blessing us. They're all here. <laughs> Krishna's here. All right, so uh, word for word translation Sutta Uvacha. Sutta Goswami said. Sangstuta, properly glorified, Bhagavan, the Supreme Lord, Itham, in this way, Markandeyena, by Markandeya, Dimata, I don't know why I continue doing that. I, even when I was practicing these verses this morning, I was saying Dimati. But it's Dimata. Uh, Dimata, the intelligent sage. Narayana, Lord Narayan. Narasaka, the friend of Nara. Prita, satisfied. Ah, spoke. Brigu Udvaham. To the most eminent descendant of Brigu. Translation by the disciples of his divine grace. Sutta Goswami said, The Supreme Lord Narayan, the friend of Nara, was satisfied by the proper glorification offered by the intelligent sage Markandeya. Thus the Lord addressed that excellent descendant of Brigu. So shall we repeat this? Sutta Goswami said, The Supreme Lord Narayan, the friend of Nara, was satisfied by the proper glorification offered by the intelligent sage, Markandeya. Thus the Lord addressed that excellent descendant of Brigu. Text number two. I'll just read the translation or transliteration. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha Bho Bho Brahmarshi Varyoshi Siddha Atma Samarina Mai Bhaktyana Painya Tapa Swadhyaya Samyamai. Translation of text number two. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, My dear Markandeya, you are indeed the best of all learned Brahmanas. You have perfected your life by practicing fixed meditation upon the Supreme Soul, as well as by focusing upon me your undeviating devotional service, your austerities, your study of the Vedas, and your strict adherence to regulative principles. Text number three. Vayam te paritushta sma. Tvad brihad vratacharyaya varam pratiksha badram te varadosmi tvad ipsitam. 
And translation, we are perfectly satisfied with your practice of lifelong celibacy. Please choose whatever benediction you desire, since I can grant your wish. May you enjoy all good fortune. And there's a short purport with a famous personality, of um, a person who gives purports on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Srila Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur explains that the Lord used the plural form in the beginning of the verse. We are satisfied, he said, because he was referring to himself along with Shiva and Uma, who will later be glorified by Markandeya. The Lord then used the singular I am the bestower of benedictions, because ultimately only Lord Narayan, Krishna, can award the highest perfection of life, eternal Krishna consciousness. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Jaina Tasmai Shri Gurave Namah Shri Chaitanya Marovishtam Stapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Hakata Maya Dharati Swabarantikam Bandeham Shri Guru Shri Dutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavam Scha Shri Rupam Sagradattam Sahagana Raghunatan Bitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Bitamscha He Krishna Karunasando Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Taptakanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindamaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Banchakalpatarubhischa kripa sindupi evacha patitanam bhavanebhyo vaishnavibhyo namo namah Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Karadha Jiva Sarigora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Rantarashimudbhagatam Akijai Namon Vishnapadaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale Srimate Tval Krishna Go Samaniti Namane So we look at the example of Markandeya Rishi, how he was able to live for two days and a night of Lord Brahma's time, which was billions of years. I think we calculated somewhere around 13 billion years. And we wonder, is this what's required to become a devotee of Krishna, to get the actual presence of the Supreme Lord? So we we are presented this information to learn about Markandeya's qualifications as it is being spoken of by Sutta Goswami to the sages at Naimisharanya Forest after the departure of the king whose name is Parichit, Parichit, the one who was who was apparently killed by a snake bird, whatever a snake bird is, a snake bird who had the ability to become a human being, had to, you know, to have the the he was he was a shapeshifter, as I used to hear about on uh, on uh, what was it uh, 
the, that space space show that we used to watch, uh, Star uh, Star Trek, a Star Trek. Yeah. So shape shapeshifters were, you know, they were they were the product of somebody's fertile imagination for that movie. Uh, that uh, many of us watched many years ago on television. But now we find out that there actually are things such as shapeshifters. We also find out that there is a person who can live for an extremely long time in a human form on this planet. And so it's very amazing. So he had a very long lifetime. That's one of his qualifications. He was practicing lifelong celibacy. Uh, and that's something that people today would say, no. Not possible. Can't be done. No. We must We must have the association of women. We must have pleasure. So uh, that was one of, one of the uh, qualities that he had, had developed. He, he came into this world. Lifelong celibacy for billions of years. He survived the partial devastation of the universe. Or at least, uh, you know, that was what was presented to him. And he was wandering around in it with great difficulty, it was said. For a very long time. And then he, he was living very austerely. He, it said on the uh, northern side of the Himalayas, uh, close to a river, close to a mountain peak. And there he was, he was, he was uh, v- apparently very satisfied with the kind of lifestyle he had. And there were, there were other sages who lived in that area around him, which, which was considered to be his ashram. So a very highly qualified person, the likes of which we don't, we just don't see nowadays that kind of person. But look how long and how much difficulty he undertook to, uh, to get, gain the, uh, the immediate audience of, of the Supreme Lord in the form of Nara Narayan. And if I remember correctly, Krishna Kripa Prabhu, uh, Nara Narayan was the source of, uh, or was the, uh, the personalities through whom Arjuna and Krishna appeared uh, 5,000 years ago. And those two personalities, Nara and Narayan, as we understand it, are still living in Badarik Ashram in the Himalayas, a place that is, it is very hard to approach except for certain times of the year. And even then, you take your life in your own hands. If you ride one of those buses, Along that, uh, if you want to want to see something that's similar to that or something like that, you know, you can look on YouTube. Uh, most dangerous highways in the world, and you can see something like that. Also in Peru, there there are certain highways that are like that. That are like it's almost like you have to have a death wish to travel on them. So this is the a very uh, hard to gain. Uh, uh, a place on the planet, very hard to get to Badrik Ashram, but it is possible if one is determined to do so. That doesn't mean, though, that you will have the qualification to see Nara Narayan Rishi. So we wonder, we wonder if, if if this is such a qualified person and it's taken him all this time and this effort and this austerity to see the personality of Godhead, what about our own lack of qualification? What What is our hope we live such a short time in these present bodies. We don't live for billions of years, millions of years, or even thousands of years, or even hundreds of years. Uh, it's considered very unusual nowadays that a person lives to be a hundred years old or, or older. 
And we see that the body of most people, when they get above the age of 70, even in their 70s, most people begin to have, you know, physical breakdowns of the body. They lose some of their vision. They lose some of their hearing. They lose the sense of taste and smell to a large extent, as we have done this past year. And they also, you know, they see other functions of their bodies beginning to shut down. And this is just only 70 or 80. So this is like the, this, this is one of the characteristics of this age of Kali that we live for a very short amount of time. 100 years is considered, according to past ages, to be an extremely short amount of time. So how can, how can we approach the qualifications of Markandeya Rishi. We're unable uh, to give up bodily pleasures, and and we see that he was he was able to live a long, lifelong time of 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 um, um, chastity or uh, or um, celibacy. And we know of one other personality in the Mahabharat who was also uh, who also took a vow of lifelong celibacy. And who was that? Bhishma Dave, Bhishma Dave, um, and he did so just just to to facilitate his father, who was very lusty after a young woman, and so Bhishma, as a young young boy, found out what his problem was. His father's problem was he came back to his home very morose, and he and uh, so Bhishma Dave inquired, and he found out that his father had had found this woman, young woman, whose body was emanating a wonderful fragrance that could be it could be uh, detected from miles around and she and she happens by fate to have become the daughter of a fisherman and she and her brother were taken from the belly of a fish by that fisherman and the brother the young boy was a beautiful young boy he was given by the fisherman to the king as, as i remember it because it, the king at that time had no progeny no male progeny and so um, uh, this and so the the young woman however had a very fishy odor to her body but so her father as a fisherman engaged her and rowing across the river by which they lived and from which he took his fish. And she would, she would row up the saintly persons who would come and, and stay, or won't across the river. She would take them across the river in a boat. And so one of these personalities was the young, beautiful sage known as Parashar Muni. And so he is the one who, in the middle of the river, told her, that he uh, is destined to give her a child. So he formed a great mist around the boat in the middle of the river and, 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 uh, and immediately gave her a child by having sexual intercourse. He gave her a child, but this wasn't ordinary because the child was born immediately and this sage Parasharamuni restored her virginity after the child was born. And this child was started to leave uh, that place and go away. But he told his mother, whenever you need me, you just think of me and I will be there. And who was that? Vyasadeva. Krishna Dwaipayan Vyasadeva. And Dwaipayan means uh, island born, if I remember correctly. 
So he was born in a boat in the middle of the river, and he, he immediately took birth, grew up to be a young man, and, and went, went away. And so later on, he plays some important roles in the, in the events that happened to the Mahabharata. So these, the, the kind of personalities like this, uh, Bhishma Dave and Markandeya, they have, uh, they take lifelong vows of celibacy, which are impossible for us nowadays to imagine. Although there are some, uh, some personalities who have been able to do that, uh, even who are still present on the planet. And, and so, but that doesn't mean though, hey, hey, but let me, let me go on because we're going to talk about how Prabhupada has changed things for us, made it possible. So, um, uh, one, one of our, one of our lack of qualifications is surviving daily challenges, um, even with adequate housing and food. And so, this is one of the problems that we face is surviving our daily challenges, even though we have a very easy life compared to uh, such as Mark and Dea had to, had to deal with, you know, just living in a, a hermitage, probably living very austerely, taking whatever food came there to him, not going out and seeking it or taking a job. But... Um, it's it's not possible for us. So we, we even though we have housing and food, it is it's practically impossible for us to survive the challenges that uh, that we have every day. It's very difficult for us to do, especially dealing with other people. And then they're struggling to spend even two hours a day in meditation. We have problems with that. So that that's, that shows how unqualified we are then to perform the kind of austerities that Mark and Dale has performed. So you might ask the question, why are we even hearing about such a personality? It sounds like something fictitious, something that some, it, someone made up in their mind. And again, we were speaking about the the products of somebody's fertile imagination. Uh, but we, we read about these personalities that are very great, even those personalities that are demoniac. They have powers which exceed anything that we practically have on the videos now. You know, with all the skill, the, the, the abilities, the equipment that people have to create videos nowadays, so like personalities flying through the air. Well, this, this was happening 5,000 years ago, even by persons who didn't have any, any, uh, attraction to the supreme mystic, Lord Krishna. Still, because of something they have done in the past, they were given these mystical powers with the ability to fly through the air, to appear in different shapes and forms. And so Lord Krishna came, and one of his purposes in coming personally 5,000 years ago was to show people that these persons, as powerful as they might, might be, are simply insects in, uh, compared to the power of the Supreme Lord. So, lacking qualifications for for trying to approach spiritual life, uh, we re, we have received benedictions from Srila Prabhupada. So instead of instead of asking us to go uh, for an entire lifetime meditating, simply meditating on the pastimes and personality of the Supreme Lord, Srila Prabhupada says, at least chant sixteen rounds of Japama on Japamala. 
and 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 that should take you uh, about two hours, two and a half hours, depending on how fast you chant. Um, sometimes I, I've gotten that down to less than an hour and a half, but that's only by practice as recommended by our spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami. He said that uh, he said that chanting fast is very much like learning to read fast. You can teach yourself how to read very quickly, speed reading. And he said <coughs> you can also learn to chant quickly. And I found that uh, chanting quickly doesn't cause me to lose um, the um, my focus on what I'm chanting. In other words, we have to hear what we're chanting. That was necessary. Srila uh, uh, Giriraj Swami Maharaj has, has, has uh, instructed us here, or tell, told us that he was uh, he was chanting one time in, in a temple room somewhere, and they had uh, a tape playing of Srila Prabhupada's chanting, and it was very audible. And he said, Prabhupada came into the room and said, what is this? And he said, we're, we're, listen, we're chanting while we're, while we're listening in. Prabhupada said, no. He said, you have to hear yourself chanting. And so that's, that's one of the instructions that we've given. And in his little booklet that he put out many years ago, Satyarup Dasko Swami Raj, called uh, um, Japa Reform Notebook. Remember that, Krishna Kripa? Yeah. He had some suggestions in there. One of those suggestions is that you chant quickly. You chant very fast. And so I found that it can be done, but instead of losing concentration on what I'm chanting, if, if I'm going to chant fast, I have to increase my concentration. And I, and I also look at a clock while I'm chanting to see how long it's taking me to chant, uh, one round of Japa, uh, Japa. And, and I find that if, if, if I chant, if, if it takes me longer than five or six minutes to chant around, then I realize that I am losing my concentration. Have you had that experience? <laughs> Christopher Creeper says he can write a book on that. <laughs> maybe you should, maybe you should write a book on losing concentration. So this is one. The Prabhupada says just just chant minimum sixteen rounds a day. All right, it means you don't have to you don't you don't have to sit in a in somewhere in a cave in the Himalayas and and try to concentrate on nothing but uh, but the the chanting. Or even even some persons have been have become so skilled at this that they can they can chant on the impersonal feature of the Supreme Lord. And that's really hard to imagine because for us, it's much easier to look at the deity form of the Lord here in the temple room and understand that Krishna has an eternal physical form, not material, but physical, physical form that can, that can, be, uh, it can be looked at, can be embraced, uh, when one when one qualifies himself to be able to do that, so then uh, Prabhupada has also given us books of examples to help increase our faith in chanting, and we've read recently, and I I think it was the twelfth canto that the uh, yeah just recently within the past couple of weeks I think I've heard it said that the whole purpose of of everything Prabhupada asked us to do. All of our activities, the one purpose of that was to increase the quality of our chanting. 
So he's given us books to have to do that. And and if we read the Bhagavatam, uh, which is d- described by one of those verses uh, uh, that we we recited earlier, Taptakan Chanagorangi Radhe. No, is that it? No. What is it? Um, what is it? That's not one that we tend to. Anyhow, one of those, one of those. Uh, yeah, that's, that's one one of the maladies of old age that you know you try to remember something and 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 then it slips away from you. But still, uh, the the fact is that the, the Srimad Bhagavatam has has been said to be our very source of conquest. Our very source of conquest. So it said simply by reading the Bhagavatam, one can gain liberation. Because reading the Bhagavatam helps to strengthen our chanting of the Maha Mantra. Does everybody know what the Maha Mantra is? All you people listening in, you know what the Maha Mantra is? Sure you do. Sure you do. And probably by now you're chanting it. You're chanting your 16 rounds every day. And that's very good. So this is this is one of the benedictions that Srila Prabhupada has given us who don't have the ability to perform the kinds of austerities that Markandeya Rishi has performed. Uh, Prabhupada allowed us the performance of our ordinary daily lives. And that meant that uh, we we did not have to go to find a cave in the Himalayas. Even Radhanath Swami Maharaj uh, went up, you know, when he was searching for something of, you know, something to give him some meaning in life. He he found himself meditating in on the banks of the Ganges in in the Himalayas, and and so, uh, but he did not stay in that place. He came down, and he, and then he met Srila Prabhupada, and eventually he uh, surrendered his life to Srila Prabhupada, and and, he, and of course he maintained uh, his his sannyas status, um, all all of his uh, spiritual life, and even before he met Srila Prabhupada, he was really he was he. Had taken a vow of celibacy, and he was he was trying even in the face of so many difficulties. As and that's that's all told about very interestingly in uh, the the journey home. Is that the name of his first book? Yeah, I'm having to ask confirmation from Krishna Kripalu. Two old men sitting in the temple room this morning, and we're having to kind of help each other remember stuff. So uh, it, it, we we don't have to do that. We, Prabhupada said you can you know, you can have your house and you can have your families, uh, but everything that you do then uh, should uh, try. It should be such that you it will it will increase the quality of your chanting the Maha Mantra. And so all of everything that we do in our lives, if it, if it does not, if one of those activities, one or more of those activities does not help to increase the quality of our chanting, then we, we have to question, is, is this something that I should continue to pursue? Then Prabhupada also created communities of devotees, uh, for the very purpose of sustaining our devotional activities. Because by those devotional activities then, uh, we say that they they are purifying in themselves, but the purification that they provide is to help us to chant 
more effective rounds of Japa, of the holy names. So if, then we, we learn that we need to live according to Srila Prabhupada's instructions. We can maintain our families comfortably. We don't have, that doesn't have to be anything fancy. And many of us who joined back in the late seventies and early eighties, uh, we, we, we gave up, some of us gave up the opportunity to make a sig- significant amount of money. And so there's always been a little bit of a struggle in our households, and we've had children that have had desires, and of course we could not always fill those, fulfill those material desires. So we had, you know, you know, our children learned, my children, my five children learned early on that they can always depend on a house uh, uh, with a roof over their heads. They can depend on having a uh, good prasadam available. They can depend on having a mother that cares about them. Um, but um, if they have any desires for designer jeans, <laughs> they gotta they gotta get out and hit hit the bricks. They gotta get out and work for them. Uh, so Sheila Prabhupada gave us that you know gave us that option, and and the same thing happened here with with his disciple Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj. When when I first came in 1979, I stayed for about five months, and then I left and went away. For about seven months, and I was thinking, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I cannot live communally. I've got children that I've got to provide for, and so Tamal um, uh, Krishna uh, sent a message to my wife and me, asking us to please write to him, and so we did. And at that time, he wrote back to us and said that uh, because of your leaving uh, the Dallas community. We have gotten together and we have decided that uh, householders need to get out and earn their own li- livelihoods. They need to get out and earn money for their families, support their families, not depend on the temple to support their families. So this was kind of a, a radical departure from what was the current thinking of many leaders within the International Society of Krishna Consciousness. And so uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami caught a lot of flack from having having changed the nature of, of devotional communities. But in Dallas here, uh, he established it, it was really be, it really became a householder community. Even though when my wife and I first came in 1979, it was coming into the temple room was like floating on the ocean of saffron. <laughs> there were so many young men who had come to this temple at that time uh, with Srila Tabal Krishna Goswami, and and at that time they were they were students. They, you know, they were brahmacharis to some extent or another. Uh, but as, as time went on, we found that those young men, most of them, uh, could not get past the desires to have the association of a woman, and so that was permitted. And we saw that those dotis began to fade out, and they they stopped being saffron and became white. <laughs> so many of us then, uh, who had not been previously householders, we they took up a household life, <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, there was there was there was a lot said negatively about that move on the part of uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami and his staff of leaders here in the Dallas community and Houston community. Uh, but we found out that, it, that that this was sustainable. Brahmachari life for most people is not sustainable 
or brahmacharini life for women. It's just simply not sustainable. Not because it's not a good way of life, not because it's not important to a spiritual life, but because it simply is is too difficult for many of us to follow. So we're talking about the difference between ourselves and Mark and Dea Rishi. And it's not hard to find many differences between ourselves and, and, and Mark and Dea. But Srila Prabhupada has made it possible. So he, he, he suggested that we work, but we turn our work into service to Krishna. In other words, he's, Rupanuga, get out and make money and support your wife and family in your own house. Uh, live close to the community if you can. And at that time, in 79, I asked uh, uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami. It, this was before I had taken initiation from him. I said, I would, I would not mind living in the Dallas community, but I want to have my own house a little bit distant, a little bit removed. So when my wife and I came back in 1980 to, to stay, uh, we very quickly found a house that was just one block away from the temple, and it was very cheap at that time. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was away from the community, one block. Actually, actually, it was like we were on the frontier. So we we moved we we moved to that house, and that house is now occupied by Durashaya Prabhu and Mother Padma, and Haridas, uh, Mother Padma's son. And so uh, that was the that was the first time that anybody had had, had purchased a house, I guess. Uh, away from the temple community, and that was one block away. So now, uh, since that time, that block and many other blocks beyond have become the new frontier. The frontier has moved out and out and out, and so now we have people living several blocks away. We have people living all the way across the metroplex. So Srila Prabhupada made this provision for us, and his disciple, Tamal Krishna Goswami, also followed up and and made this uh, made this exception for householders that if you if you don't want to uh, if you don't want to uh, live communally and in in and uh, like we we were as we were trying to do back before 1980 uh then here here's an, here's an alternative for you get your own place provide for your family and then if you have any money left over you can offer that to their lordships and and if, uh, if you can get by on one person working in the household, and then you can let the other person be engaged in in service to the supreme lord. And as in our case, we had quite a few children. We had five children, so my wife was engaged also in raising five children. But at that time, nineteen eighty three, eighty four, uh, she began uh, teaching in in our gurukula here, and so uh, she had. She had the the job of, of of teaching in the Gurukula and also raising five children. Not an easy job to do, uh, but that was permitted by our spiritual master. Uh, previously, that that would kind of have been been unheard of um, in some some of the temples around. But anyhow, it's that has worked out. Srila Prabhupada's recommendations have been followed here in the Dallas community, and I think that's a reason that it has been one of the most successful household communities in the entire world. So we turned our work into service. We spent our available hours in service to the community in Krishna because this is what we were asked to do. 
and whenever we had the time, it was it was our it was our duty, and then it was our pleasure. This is one of those things Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita: says his devotional service is joyfully performed. So if you're not having a good time performing service, then that means that uh, you need to change your attitude towards service. And so uh, one one of our duties, now that we have become a little bit settled and fixed in our devotional lives, is to encourage others in devotional activities also. So we don't we don't move away into a you know a, a place out in the desert a place in the mountains uh to get away from everybody else so that we can quieten our minds and focus on uh b- preparing to give up this world and uh and you know and gain um um no, uh, nirvana or you know or that kind of liberation which is which is actually temporary nirvana is temporary uh, we we uh, we instead have chosen to remain in the midst of all the fray and the and the ruckus, and 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 practice our spirituality while at the same time uh, providing uh, for all the physical needs of our family members and providing our children the kind of education they need so that they too. If they choose and when they choose, they can, they can, uh, take up this practice of Krishna consciousness, which we chose at a time when it was very, a very, very radical thing to do in our society. And now our, our children have it considerably easier than we did at that time. And of course, some of our children went through the same kinds of austerities that we were going through in the, in the 1980s. Some of our children did. And some of them, uh, didn't particularly care for that. But now looking back, I hear from my own kids that there were occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally I hear from them that they, you know, they really appreciated, uh, the, what, what their parents had done and the way they were brought up in this community. It, it gives them something to fall back on in their daily lives when things go awry. And they will go awry in their daily lives because that's the nature of this material world. If we were all very content and happy all of the time, what uh, impetus would we have to take up spiritual practices? And what impetus are uh, is our are our children going to have? What 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 are they going to have? What is going to give them that that uh, you know the turning on of the light? If the epiphany, as it's said in Christianity, Christian practices, that epiphany where a light comes on in your head and you realize, aha, that's your aha moment. Oh, this is what it's all about. And so we're praying and praying for our children that uh, especially they who have been brought up in this Krishna conscious society will at some point in their lives take up very serious spiritual practices, even chanting their rounds and and following certain practices like when we have the Ekadashi days twice a month usually. Uh, If our children could simply, you know, follow those practices take up the chanting, then I think we could, in our old age, such as many of us are approaching or we're into now, we can we can feel comfortable that uh, we're not Mark and Dea Rishis, but we did the best that we could uh, under the instruction of our spiritual master. And so therefore, 
our lives have become somewhat perfected, uh, even though we might not have reached the the final perfection. I, I think still many of us who are thinking that, well, no, I'm never going to make it back to the spiritual world. I'm going to have to come back to this material world again. But now we're at the point of thinking that, okay, if we have to come back, that's fine. But my dear Krishna, please help me not to be so much entrapped and enamored by the attractions of this phantasmagoria called your illusory energy. Please help us to take birth in a family of yogis, persons who are engaged in spiritual life, so that we don't have to waste the first 20, 30 years of our lives as we had to do in this lifetime and just just groping about in ignorance. But we'll, we'll be able to uh, have someone instructing us from our very birth. Like, and I think it's so beautiful that these children that we have in our community today uh, you know they're 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 so very nice, and uh, their parents are practicing Krishna consciousness. So even from their very birth, and we just had a beautiful little one come into our temple room, that with with her mother, and and so it's very nice then that this this can go on. Uh, just because of what Prabhupada has provided for us, t- telling us, no, you can live your life as a, as a householder. And we see that in Prabhupada's example, he lived his life as a householder. Srila Bhaktivinoda lived his life as a house, some portion of his life as a householder. But still, they, they did not let that deter them from uh, engaging in Krishna conscious activities. So we've got it. We've got it here. Because of Srila Prabhupada, we've got all that we require are for improving in our Krishna consciousness. So we all say around here, thank God for Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Krishna Kripa. Hare Krishna. And and I, I was hoping he wouldn't do this to me. But because... He did. I, I will speak. <clears throat> First thing I have to say is that by the end of class, I was remembering one devotee in Houston, which was the day before I left, maybe last Thursday. He was sitting over in the corner. He's a disciple of Radhanath Maharaj. And his nature is he used to take notes on his phone. During class, when he'd hear a good point, he'd put it into his phone and the notes on his electronic media. Um, and he's since stopped that, and now he writes it in a, uh, what you would call a journal, blank pages, you know, hardbound book. And he was, we were listening, oh, it was on Sunday. We were listening to a class by Tamal Krishna Goswami, our guru, and he was just constantly writing. I thought he was writing a book or something, you know. He, he never stopped writing through the whole class. Um, and I mentioned it to one of his associates that, I mean, I was a little amazed that, that Prabhu was over there writing a book during class. And, uh, that person said, no, he takes notes during class and he switched from telephone to books. 
And so then when I talked to him later, I complimented him that he was such taking such furious notes. It looked like he was simply free writing. And he says, well, Prabhu, while I was listening to the class, I would hear a point and write it down. But before I could even finish that point, Tamal Krishna Goswami made another point that was very important. And I was just furiously trying to write each point as I, and it was just unending. So I have to say that Rupa Nuga Prabhu's class had the same effect on me today. There were so many points that were not only um, illuminating, but they they made you made me anyway <clears throat> reference it into other parts of the Bhagavatam and other points that were made and etc. I mean, I found that very fascinating because for me, I don't usually get that. I, I really. Um, I, I was really appreciating the the power behind his class, and particularly when he spoke of what it's how do we apply this higher knowledge of spirituality, and in and juxtaposed to Mark and Dea Rishi asking, you know, I'd really like to experience your illusory energy because as he spoke so nicely about Mark and Dea Rishi's qualifications, he doesn't involve himself at all in the illusory energy. Therefore, for him, it's a, it's a unique, interesting concept that he hasn't experienced. So he actually had to ask Narayan Rishi, can I experience this? Whereas us, we're on the opposite end of that spectrum going, how do I get out of this? And Krishna puts him, as we'll see in this verse, in the middle of an ocean of devastation where he had nothing but water within his vision. And uh, I, I often make the, the... I grew up on the water on the coast, and, and it's really an interesting thing to get out in the middle of the ocean where your entire horizon is the same thing, 360 degrees around you. The only things you can use as a conceptual landmark fly in and out of the place. <laughs> so you can't depend on them either. So it's 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 quite interesting how to learn to navigate in a situation where you have absolutely nothing but the same option everywhere you look. So it, it was just very fascinating that, that Mark and Dea Rishi has to ask for that, whereas we have to struggle to free ourselves from it. And one of the Interesting points that were made by our spiritual master regarding this is that even though you may always have to struggle every day to chant our rounds attentively and to serve Krishna attentively, um, by dint of the fact that you do that every day, you're advancing or you wouldn't do it. You would find ways to be completely absorbed in Maya instead of struggling to find ways to get out of Maya. I heard uh, some time ago someone asked Srila Prabhupada, what pleases you the most, Srila Prabhupada? And Prabhupada's answer was, your struggle. <laughs> well, that answers it all. So it's like that. But it's a nice struggle. And, and there is pleasure all along the, the way. But Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita also that of all those struggles, of all those meditations, of all those processes of making 
our lives sacred, in other words, a sacrifice, japa is the supreme sacrifice because it's you, your mind, and your consciousness fighting against your body. And um, so, so even Krishna himself identifies the process of devotional service as elucidated by Lord Chaitanya himself. Um, is that ultimate struggle to free yourselves from the material energy. Haridas Thakur would chant 192 rounds every day, which left him 30 minutes to take care of his eating, sleeping, yeah, evacuation, and cleaning. <laughs> in any given day. And he chanted quite fast. To chant 192 rounds in a day, you, you, you figure it's right at about seven and a half minutes on average. So it's... Uh, and the whole description he gave of chanting quickly, there's a trick to that. And the trick is, because Krishna is the ultimate trickster according to Radharani, you still have to chant clearly. And that's the concentration where to chant quickly and clearly, um, it works. But you have to really focus. And I have, I, I was laughing because I have the same experience. I, I am so regulated in my chanting that I chant six minute rounds each. And I can know the time while I'm chanting by how many rounds I've chanted. I've checked on this. I've been doing this for a long, 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 long time. And when I'm not chanting at that speed, it's because I'm either tired or I'm inattentive. And I'm struggling quite a bit more. And then they go to seven minutes, seven and a half minutes, eight minutes. And I'm chanting just as attentively, but I can't chant as attentively at the regular speed that I normally chant at. And it becomes a complication for me. But I, but it, it is my check and balance, how I chant. And I, I listen every single day. And then now Rupa will also add... Lord Chaitanya's opinion of Japa. No, what I wanted, I wanted to pick up, pick up on what you said, and that was uh, it, it, when you're when you're tired of something. And if I find that when I my, for my first round, sometimes it takes me eight or nine minutes to chant, and then gradually during the next two or three or four rounds, I'm able to get that down to about six minutes, and eventually, if I'm really alert. And, you know, and the early morning time is the best time for me to, to be alert. Uh, that if I'm really alert, I can wind up chanting, uh, 16 rounds in, in 80 minutes or less. 80 minutes means five minutes per round. And, or, and sometimes I can do that. And when I, when I'm able to do that, I realize then that, uh, the only way I could do it is is by uh, by being very very attentive and chanting each syllable clearly and hearing it. So to that, I will add the importance of attending Bhagavatam class in the association of devotees. As wonderful and convenient as the radio and and the internet is for being able to attend and hear the classes. I'll just give you a scenario. Here today, for 90% of the class, Rupanuga was speaking, and I was hearing and appreciating. 
And look at the magic that happened, this whole conversation. And actually, every time he gives class, we, we or I give class when he's here, um, we have a whole conversation about it um, after the class because it means something, that magic that happens, that mystical experience that happens when two devotees sit and talk about Krishna and actually engage in Krishna Kata for the benefit of our own purification and the purification of others. There's something that happens there that allows us to get more and more realization than we would normally get simply by reading. So I just as an advertisement for class, as the last class he gave before I left uh, to go back to Houston last time I was here, um, we need to be in class. If if you're in the vicinity and you're listening over the airways, why not figure out a way to at least attend a live class as often as you can? It may be one day a week, two days, four days, whatever. It changes the understanding that we have from Srila Prabhupada's books when we can hear within the association of the devotees. It's very, very important. And Prabhupada was quite insistent on this process of hearing and chanting amongst the associates of devotees. Very insistent. Um, it's not a Krishna creep of fanaticism. It's Srila Prabhupada knew that this is what would help us the most. And I don't know, maybe after so many years you get kind of used to it and stuck on the idea, but... But we can all attest that Kali Yuga and the atmosphere in this material world is not becoming more conducive to our overall Krishna consciousness. So whatever time we can spend in the association of the devotees, and that's the real point, we'll get unlimitedly more benefit than if we had not spent those few minutes or those 30 minutes or that one hour or two hours together. There is so much benefit that even though we don't see it every day, it affects us every day. I was I was also uh, one one other point, uh, Krishna Kripa Prabhu, was that um, if we just if we simply read the verses that we read today, or if we read this last this ninth chapter of the of the twelfth canto. Uh, without the purports by Srila Prabhupada or Srila Prabhupada's disciples, how could we come to understand that we don't have to be like Mark and Dea Rishi, you know, to that extent, the severe qualifications that he had? Um, if, if we just simply read about it, outside the association of devotees. In other words, if we found a, a, a copy of the translation of the Bhagavatam without the purports of Srila Prabhupada and his, and his disciples, how in, how in the world could we ever feel that this applies to us? Thank you very much. Now everybody can go back on the internet and listen to all those other classes you missed this week. And then hope to Krishna. Pray to Krishna. We can all get here. Kantaraj Shriman Bhagavatam Ki.
Special thanks to Prima Charu Prabhu for allowing us this opportunity to speak from the Sriman Bhagavatam for the benefit of all of us. And we'll end by offering our respectful obeisances and to all of you who are listening in. You're, you're just like desire trees. You fulfill, fulfill the desires of everyone. You're full of compassion for fallen conditioned souls. Shila Prabhupada ki jai, shishi ratha kalachanjinam ki jai, gora premanan.